Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Everything Out There with your host, Steve Stockton. Hello, friends. Steve Stockton here with you. Welcome to Everything Out There. And joining me on the phone tonight is author, content creator, YouTuber, and paranormalist, Cisco Murdoch. Known Cisco for several years. We were introduced to each other by Soraya Ascath from Where Did the Road Go? And we've had numerous appearances together, and we wrote a book together. We are all children in the wilderness of the afterlife, a guided tour through a haunted life. Actually, it's Cisco's book. I just followed along and did like the color commentary, if you will, at the end of it. Cisco, how are you doing tonight? Hello, hello, and boo. <laughs> boo, spooky season is here. Thank you for joining me. Oh, it's wonderful. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I mean, I can't imagine Halloween without you now. We've spent so many yeah, together. Indeed. And I I, I think, are we going to do uh, Shannon's show again this year? That'll be like the seventh year in a row, I think. I think it's eight. Eight. It's been a few. I think it's eight. It might even be nine. I'm not yeah, sure. It's, it's I'm sure we're going to do it. I'm going to do a shame if we didn't. Yeah, I'll I'll you message know. her and then make sure we're still doing it because she usually pre-records that. Yep, yep, sounds well, good. I'm there. I brought you here stuff, tonight to talk about that wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, folks can find it on Amazon. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes. Well, thank you, thank you. Yep, it's uh, uh, you know it 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 was fun to to write, and I wrote it with a really nice person, and it was uh, we had a very um, unique way of going about it. I would write a chapter and send it to him, and then he would put behind me whatever brought it brought to mind that story, whether it was another story or just a thought or maybe a, some some lore or you know a funny anecdote, and we left it as it was. And you were that man. It was so much fun writing it with you. Yeah, I had a great time, but I, I was scared because you didn't want to see it until the whole book was finished. And uh, I was nervous when I, I turned in the manuscript with my pieces in it. And uh, I said, how is that? And you're like, don't change a word. So it, it worked out really good. Yep. It, so, stayed, uh, it, it stayed as it was. We never, I never changed yeah, the word of it. It perfect as it anything. was. You know? And that was uh, the thing, though, because if you tell a story and it ends, and you're into the person telling the story, and then the next thing that comes to your mind, or it reminds you of something, or you can add on to it, or you just have a thought about what it all meant, or you know what it meant to you, or any of that stuff. That instant reacting, you know, reaction from it 
is what you want because I think when people tell stories, it changes the energy in the room or around the fire or, you know, around the, the, you know, the, the dinner table afterwards, if you were lucky enough to be a kid to sit in with the adults for a little bit and hear some stories, you know, and, uh, it, it takes you and it, it takes you away, you know, and wherever it takes you, well, that's the next thing. It's like a chain. And that's how you have great conversations with people, you know, when you gather together and talk about things like this, you know, and Indeed. you get to I work. still have wonderful childhood memories of either uh, being at my grandmother's house and sitting around the fireplace after dinner in the wintertime or the, the wood stove at the other grandmother's house or uh, in the summertime sitting out on the screen porch as it got dark and uh, listen to the older folks tell ghost stories. Love that. Oh, wow. Wow. Right. Oh, geez. Yeah. I and mean, it's, that's, it that's sticks the with thing. You. It gets under your skin and uh, you carry that around with you for a lifetime. So it does. And it, and it, you and I were both young when it hit us. So we were always listening and, and seeking answers and, tell me another one and, you know, tell me another story. Or, hey, have y'all ever seen any ghosts? And how many times in our lifetime have we heard, nah, I don't believe in all that mess or, you know, whatever. And it's changed in our lifetime to where, you know, people are a little bit more open to, to not just talking about it, but hearing about it and, you know, things like that. I mean, there are still a lot of skeptics. There's nothing wrong with skeptics, but the ones that, that just say, Oh, all that stuff's just ridiculous. I don't believe in all the little green men and all that stuff, you know, and just broad brush don't believe in anything that might be outside of their normal. But the paranormal is extremely normal. The supernatural is very natural. And I don't understand why <clears throat> people can believe in um, so many other things, you know, or, or put faith in so many other things. And then something as simple and as, um, like I said, natural as these events, whether it's ghosts or, uh, you know, portals or whatever you want to name, you know, uh, cryptids. I mean, a lot of cryptids are just species, species that we haven't identified yet. I think a shark at one time must have been like, it could have been considered a cryptid. Do you yeah, know what I mean? It's like, just uh, stuff the, we the don't great understand. Apes. They didn't believe those existed until around uh the turn of the 20th century, they thought that was a myth or a legend, and then they found mm -hmm. them. Yeah, yeah. And and it, like I said, it's just stuff that we don't completely understand yet. And I think a lot of things we think we understand, we don't have a clue anyway. You know how people put in, you know, or believe in something for such a long time, and then you find out that it was all, oh, you know, we messed up, we were wrong, sorry, <laughs> sorry about that, or you know, things change the more information we find out about it. I wonder how, you know, another hundred years, how people will feel about ghosts and things like that. I mean, a hundred years ago, you and I have done episodes on a hundred years ago. What were they doing? You know what they were doing? They were table tipping. They were using the spirit board. They were gathering in secret and so excited about it to, to gather around the table and do a reading or, or, or hear from a medium or you know, exactly. and that, was just, that was their normal. Yep. My maternal yep. grandmother, they were part of the spiritualism movement. My mom was born in 1927. And when she was a little girl in the thirties, that was, you know, they did that regularly. They had seances, they had table tappings, they had uh, a Ouija board or spirit board sessions. My grandmother read cards. Uh, she didn't read tarot cards. She didn't like tarot cards, but uh, she read tea leaves and coffee grounds, uh, phrenology. She could 
tell your fortune by the bumps on your head or look at your palms. She interpreted dreams. But, you know, that was just their normal. And it was my normal for a long time. I grew up not knowing that not everybody's grandmother was a a self-proclaimed gypsy witch. Yep. We got to keep them uh, alive, too, and not let all that knowledge and wisdom and uh, all those uh, wonderful superstitions and herbal cures and you know how uh, just all that we got to keep it all alive so if you've got people like that in your family and folks listening you know encourage them to write it down or get a recorder and record them and tell them to tell you stories about their childhood and you know how to can tomatoes for pete's sakes how to grow a tomato for that matter and you know things that are growing in in nature that have so many cures in them it's an amazing it's an amazing amazing thing and um Really, when you get down to it, um, that's all being a granny witch is, and, and spells and learning it's, how to read yeah, information ability. The land and, and the plants the natural. and uh, natural. the things that goes along with it and a good healthy dose of the supernatural, but it all dovetails together nicely. I mean, how many times, Steve, have we laughed at people or had people laugh, you know, hear, you know, um, poo-pooing the idea of, oh, well, you know, what do you mean you can't talk about if you don't talk about them? You know, uh, you mention them and the, and they can hear you and, and, and they're going to come and bother you and stuff like that. And, you know, and they say it like it's the most ridiculous thing they ever heard. And I just go, yeah, <laughs> because listen, see, this is the most this is why the paranormal, supernatural, um, the whole if you want to call it a science, if you want to call it a, a genre, if you want to call it just something that, that that's amazingly uh, such a vast um subject with a lot of little spider webs going all you know little directions shooting out all over but it's all connected so it still amazes me to think about if all right here's two examples i'll describe it and then because it's hard to give it a name our friend rob guttrow the wonderful uh medium who and a wonderful uh, animal communicator as well as a, a, a wonderful weatherman who works for uh, the government <laughs> or did, I believe he's retired. So <clears throat> very smart man. So he's a scientist and he's all these things. Okay. He was at the Ford's theater at Christmas time and he's going to see the play, a Christmas Carol, which is a wonderful thing they do every year. And I can't imagine how terrific it is. And um, he's waiting uh, to go in for for the show to start and everything. And he's uh, killing time in the gift shop. He's picking up some books and looking through them. And he's reading a little bit here, a little bit there and dust jackets and, you know, flipping through pages and looking at pictures, putting one down and picking up another one. And he's there for a minute and he's waiting on the people that he came in with so they can go into the theater. And while he's there, the thing about mediums, a lot of them will tell you that it's difficult for them to go in places and try to have a good time or watch a movie because there's always dead there. And if the dead know that they can, he can hear them, it makes it very difficult night to be able to pay attention to the play. So he's got to like put, throw boundaries down and ignore them and put them off, you know, like not now I'm trying to have an evening, you know, maybe later kind of thing, you know, he's so funny the way he tells it, but it's, you know, it's it's got to be somewhat of a burden, Steve. Honest to God, if you think about it, you know, depending on how bad it is, and every everybody's an individual different, but there's similarity. You know, I've heard yeah. the same story from others. 
So when he's in this gift shop looking at books, what is he doing? He's thinking about the person that he's reading about. And it just so happened to be that he was reading about John Wilkes Booth. He's in Ford's Theater where Booth shot Lincoln, Washington, D.C., right? And there's this pesky, arrogant, um, strong uh, energy presence that keeps hovering around him and getting closer and backing off and coming back and, you know, doing whatever Rob said it did. It's not now, not now, you know, I'm trying to have any, whatever. And he's, but he's still getting messages from this guy. And he's like, oh, it was nasty. And he was, you know, really arrogant. And, you know, he was, uh, you know, uh, rude and, uh, you know, a couple of different things. And, and he's like, he just didn't like, it was trying to get rid of him. And then he figured out who it was. <laughs> it was John Wilkes Booth. Now, I asked Rob if he thought that John Wilkes Booth, he's just visit, he's just, it's a visitation type of haunting. He's not stuck there, in other words. He's been seen in other places and he's, you know, he's kind of a free Roman spirit. Let's just put it that way. I don't know if he's earthbound and he's crossed over and come back and he's just visitation that way. I didn't ask Rob and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but either way works. He's just, there at Ford's Theater, and Rob and I both felt that it was because he was thinking about him. So Rob's thinking about him in a place that his energy is already connected to, which made it, which made the journey and the path, if you want to call it that, so simple and easy for John Wilkes Booth. He hangs around there and goes to other places where people are talking about him because he wants accolades. You see what I mean? So. And he wants the attention and he wants people to know the story. And he, he, he's talking to Rob, like, you know, he's still got that air that he did the right thing. And, you know, um, he should be getting awards kind of deal, you know, treated, uh, called a hero. And he wasn't, and he's, he's just still spouting the same thing from then. The you know? same thing that he was spouting um, back in the day. But I yeah, wonder, yeah, yeah. could that be just because he's thinking of him, could it be like, picking up the psychic imprints that's there, or maybe even like a tulpa or something like putting that energy out there is bringing it to him. Well, you know, I can't say it wouldn't be a, 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 something like a tulpa because you know, the, um, the gentleman writer you knew uh, was it. I can never remember the name of the comic and I know it's well as much was it the shadow. Yeah. The guy that wrote the shadows, well, Walter Gibson. And uh, uh -huh. he, he had several typewriters. In a row, this was, you know, way before the days of computers or word processors. And he would sit there in his apartment in New York, or I think he had a townhouse, and uh, jump from one typewriter to another and write these shadow stories. He wrote hundreds of stories for radio and for the dime novels and stuff. And he put literally so much blood, sweat, and tears into the character, Lamont Cranston, who was the shadow, that he started seeing somebody that resembled the shadow in his apartment. He was talking about one night. He had some guests over for dinner, and, and there was a, a walkway upstairs, like a hallway, uh, that opened over the, the dining room, formal dining room. And uh, they're sitting there having dinner, and they see this guy up there with the, the trench coat and the slouch hat and the long scarf. And they thought, oh, that's great. You, you hired somebody to come in and dress up like the shadow to entertain us. He said, no, I see that in and around here a lot of times. And he called it a, a psychic impression or a, a, some sort of impression like that that he had spent so much time thinking about this character and uh, bringing him to life, literally in, in words that he came to life beyond that and was able to manifest. And that, that apartment in um, Greenwich Village, it's still haunted. 
and it's it's there's other spirits there. Hans Holzer uh, investigated it, and uh, my friend Dave Schrader, I can't remember they were doing. I think the Holzer files, and I mentioned that one when I was doing an interview with him, and he said, "Oh, we'll have to look into that for sure." But I don't know whatever came of beyond that. But yeah, That's Hans Holzer yeah. had investigated that apartment <laughs> apart from the Walter Gibson stuff. You know, he's he's one of my favorites. You know that. I mean, he was the. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He was the first book that I pulled down off the shelf and started thumbing through where I was just like engrossed. I mean, that book absolutely enveloped me. And it was was uh, Yankee Ghost when I was a kid, too. That and and Fate Magazine, and I think he had articles in there, too. Yeah, he did. He did. Absolutely. But just to touch back on John Wilkes Booth, now... The reason I lean so much towards and use that one as a sample of connecting to the thought energy, okay? You can also call it telepathic. You're sending those vibes out there. Now, look, this is how we get a lot of things uh, communicate telepathically. A lot of um, spirits that I've met that have come back, you don't see their mouth move, but it's their voice. It's their tone and you hear it in your head, but it's in like the kind of a surround sound kind of thing. You know, it's all, it's coming from the inside of your head out instead of the outside of your head in. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So there's some type of energy. Voices like that, not in my head, like I'm crazy, but I've heard things, you know, responding or asking questions or things that I couldn't hear audibly. But like you said, I could hear it from the inside out instead of the outside it's in. Weird. It's just so different. It's so it's so hard to describe. It's it's hard but to describe it to anybody that's never experienced it, and, and yeah, it'd it be is. like trying to describe a color or something to a blind yeah. person. It is. You have to really start, you know, digging down and uh, get expressive, you know. But that's you know, I listened to the way Rob described that, knowing he's got very um, practiced filters. And the way he described it, it did sound more to me that like he was thinking about this man and either he was cruising through, you know, and, and it's like, hey, what are they saying about me over here? You know, that kind of thing. Or, or he can see me. He didn't know. But he really felt like his thoughts attracted it. And I thought that was pretty cool because we were talking about, do you think he's stuck there and he's just haunting the place, you know? And he's like, no, he's showing up wherever people are paying attention and talking about yeah. it. Well, I mean, Booth this is was just an what actor. He was does. a stage actor. Yes, it would make it. sense that's for him to be it. in yes. that theater. 
And yep. like, you know, any actor, he wants to hear what the press or whoever is saying or thinking mm-hmm. about him. So he shows Absolutely. up to see what's going on and uh, to see what kind of reviews he's getting, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's amazing to me um, to think that it's easy for people. Uh, well, maybe not easy. Let's not use that word. Let's say <clears throat> simpler for people to accept that than to say if you are in the woods and you're talking about a creature that may be out there, for lack of a better word, I'll say creature out there that if you are talking about them that they can't tune in and hear that freak whatever that is same way that a spirit would see and it and that blows my mind those things because yeah, it's connected. Then, then that's it's a, it's a good analogy okay. or a good theory there just because you're out there and you you hear a noise in the woods and you yeah. think bigfoot and then maybe you have an encounter you see one and and that's mm-hmm. another one people say oh well it can't exist because can. uh, we've never found a carcass. Well, I've hiked all over the Great Smokies. I've never seen a bear carcass either, but I know okay. they exist. I know there's bears in the park. So just because we haven't found a dead one, I don't think that's a good enough reason to just, you know, poo-poo the whole thing and say they don't exist. Right, right. Well, you know how I feel about that stuff, Steve. And, and you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, um, I, you know, I live as strongly as a lot of my ancestors uh, did as far as uh, being indigenous, you know, and, and being Native American and or Indian, whatever you want to call it, but uh, so close to nature and so uh, attuned because they lived it. They lived it every day. This, you know, that was their world. And to them, there's not, <laughs> there's not a nation that doesn't talk about the hairy man or the wild man or uh, Sasquatch, uh, you know, m- most of the most of the words, whatever the tongue may be, uh, describes just people. You know, it's like the hairy man or whatever. Um, I also believe that there's more than one kind, just like there's more than one kind of a dog is a species. How many different kind of dogs are there? Right. right. You, you get my. You get my. Exactly. They're all canines, but there's all kinds of different breeds and colorings and sizes. I think. And there's some more aggressive, uh, some more uh, docile, more. Yep. There's some more docile, more more uh, you know social. There's some that are just loners, you know, like the wolf, you know, or uh, you know, just you could go on and on and on with that. But the the point is is. I was, I don't want to say I was always brought up because I, I was with so many different uh, people, you know, little pieces of wisdom here and there from different elders along the way. And, and uh, you know, my grandmom, my grandmother, she uh, would give me little tidbits. And as young as I can, uh, you know, remember her telling me there are things in the woods that we do not speak of because they can hear you. Oh, and she was sense. very picky. There was, she was very picky about the things she said. And she said them always uh, impromptu um, and very secretive. Like she was telling me, um, uh, you know, the combination of the safe or something, you know what I mean? And, and she didn't, yeah. and also scared about it. Like she didn't want anybody else to hear yeah, and that's I didn't my maternal grandmother the same way. She would talk about stuff in hushed tones, uh, 
and then mm-hmm. she wasn't native as far as I know they immigrated over from England and landed yeah, in yeah. Cades Cove area, the Smokies but the same thing there was just some stuff you didn't talk about some stuff you didn't do you didn't whistle after dark um you you know if a, if a chicken if a hen crowed she wasn't long for this world if the cows moved after dark you know that was a sign or an omen there was all these Can't little cards and rules of thumb Cannot that play they cards. had Yep, in the thunderstorm, in the lightning, you can't play cards. Because the devil gets you. You can't talk on the phone, you know, and they had a reason for that. But, you know, that was, you could get struck by lightning. I think that Danny Brinkley got struck by lightning twice that way. I could be wrong. But uh, I know he was talking to the phone on one of them. He got struck by lightning. But Yeah, couldn't talk on the phone. So couldn't many take different a shower, things like that. Couldn't wash dishes. Um, couldn't be around a dog. Um, Don't speak uh, ill of the dead. Yeah, don't whistle past the graveyard. Yep, yep. No, other superstition. I don't believe she necessarily had this one, but I've heard people say that you should hold your breath when you go by a graveyard because you can inhale a spirit. Oh wow! That's. that's, uh, I think that's need to know information. That should be more. There should be signs. There should, should be signs about that sign one. Sign up outside the graveyard. Hold you your breath. Everybody, hold your breath. Yeah, all right, right here and go. <laughs> you hold it to the get to the next sign. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? It's kind of funny. Oh man, I never heard that. We just thought a few tonight. Steve. just make up our own. Yeah, and I, I've done that. I've cataloged a lot of superstitions, a lot of folklore mainly yeah. from the Southern Appalachians, but then there's variations of it all over the country. And you, you wonder yeah. how those get started. Did well, somebody's hen crow and somebody <laughs> died and they thought, oh, well, the hen crowed and then uh, Uncle Ed died. So, you know, that, right. that must have been a warning because hens don't yeah. crow. So Right. But in a lot of them, I think they lived this long from so long ago because there's some truth to them. I think so. And and those people, I mean, I mean my, they didn't have uh, the internet or TV. If you're lucky, you had yep. books and uh, maybe phonograph records or radio. And, uh, but other than that, you know, you had to pass the time somehow. And even if you had a radio, a lot of those stations signed off, you know, after dark and um, they, they had to entertain themselves somehow. And that was one of the right. ways that both my families did that. They would sit around uh, the wood stove or the, the fireplace in the wintertime when it was uh, too cold to farm or do anything like that and uh, swap stories and, and tell legends and things like that. And I, I miss those times. I do too, man. I do too. And I mean, I feel bad, you know, we need to go back and talk about uh, the Bigfoot because uh, you had asked me a question. I didn't quite answer it. I was basically just trying to tell everybody I'm basing that as a little, little kid. I'm talking six, seven years old, and I'm being given this kind of information. So everything that came after that, I always looked at differently than other people, or at least other people that hadn't been told that by, you know, with uh, that kind of, because you could replace Native American with a a mountain uh, person, uh, a person that's, you know, uh, a farmer, a rural farm. You know what I mean? Everybody's got that. They know to pay attention to things in the woods. Don't take if pay don't take to the, the signs. You pay attention to things in the woods, and right. uh, people like my father that lived literally out in the middle of nowhere in uh, Middle Tennessee, over on the Cumberland Plateau. Uh, they had a 900 acre farm that backed up against the Big South Fork, which is now a national recreation area. 
there were immigrants in that area from Germany, from Ireland, from Scotland, yep. and all yep. those and people brought, and brought, brought it their in. traditions and, and their folklore. Yep. And you just have yep. that great uh, oral tradition in the South of storytelling and things. I think yep. I come by it uh, naturally just from being around it. Like I said, that was my normal. I grew up yep. hearing people tell stories, and then I grew up to, to be a storyteller, rock on tour. And uh, I love it. I don't know any other way to be. <laughs> I always love that word, tour. Yep, that's the thing, man. You know, uh, and and as you say, you know, if they brought their culture and something, every, just about every culture had was the hairy man in the woods, the yeah. big man, the the you know the Sasquatch. There's a name for each and every single uh, tongue out there in language in across the globe. You know, I mean, there's Asia, it's all different all over the place. And it's no, you know, people don't think that it's related because say, you know, the abominable snowman and there is, there is one. And if if you want to have fun, I think 2019, um, there was a, uh, a squad up there. I can't remember what army they were with, but they were a little branch off. And they discovered footprints in the snow out there in uh, by their base, and it was amazing. And they they called it an uh, an abominable snowman, you yeah. know. And you but have it's just a bigfoot with white. You know, you have yeah, you have that's, that's it. Thank you. you. Have the skunk ape. Yeti. You have uh, it's it's in all areas of the U.S. Different. and throughout the world yeah. in different cultures, and particularly the Native American cultures, uh, the yeah. Indians in the Pacific North. Every single the, one. The Native Americans in the Pacific Northwest, where I lived, they believed in mm -hmm. it. And then the, the tribes uh, here in uh, New England, they had stories. It's the same stories, just a different location. There'll be slight and variations. That, yeah. And, but and you, that even includes the plains. You know? Yes, it does. It includes the plains because people think that they're not in the desert and they're not. Already, but that's not true. You know? Now, is it that they stay there all the time or do they have a way of traveling back and forth to where they want to go? And they're uh, just, we're just maybe, catching maybe them there. That's migratory. And then I've, I've already put forth that uh, they vibrate at a different frequency than I totally humans do, that, yes. uh, either higher or lower. Yes. That maybe they can do that at will. That's why you only see them at certain times, and they're so hard to get a picture of. Comedian yep. Mitch Hedberg once famously quipped that uh, the Bigfoot creature itself is blurry. So when you take <laughs> a picture of a Bigfoot <laughs> and it comes out blurry, that's why, because he's blurry. <laughs> well, you know what? Oh, Mitch wasn't wrong. He, he, he He's not wrong. Because this is what I was taught. And as I grew up and I started digging into it, again, I went at it with a different vantage point on it. And I'm no Bigfoot or Sasquatch or Segway um, expert here, you know. I'm just saying through my lifetime, I, I just accepted it as is. Now, what I grew to understand about it in, you know, you can call it theory, you know, a speculation, whatever you want, but it's based on all the data I've collected over what a lifetime, yeah, 60 years. Literally. We were you know? talking about that one night on your show between the both of us. We have over a hundred years experience looking yeah. into these things, ghosts and paranormal, natural cryptids. I, I started, mm. you know, I've had experiences yep. when I was around like yep. three and then saw my first apparition around my sixth birthday. Uh, yep. I had encounters in the woods when I was like seven and eight and things. It just, again, Ooh. that was my normal. I didn't know that everybody didn't do that, but I just, mm -hmm. I was taught to keep yourself to yourself. So it just wasn't something you talked about. Now, 
Part of that, I think, was out of fear. You didn't want people to think you were crazy. And um, I ran into that when I was uh, collecting those stories for my first book, Strange Things in the Woods, um, especially the older folks, the friends of my parents that were their age. I was a late-in-life, unexpected baby, and my parents were the age of a lot of my friends' grandparents. So when my parents would go and visit their friends, it would be you know people their age or older, usually. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free and anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And uh, they were reticent to talk about some of the stuff they'd seen. They thought you were going to make fun of them or call them crazy. It was uh, sometimes getting their first story out was like you had to drag it out with a log chain. But then when they saw that you had a genuine interest and that you believed what they were saying, then they'd get a little more freer and a little more freer. And uh, then the stories would just flow. I've had, uh, there's an old gentleman over around Jamestown named Otto Darrow. He was a first-generation American. His parents had immigrated over from Ireland. Um, and I finally got him opened up to where he told me stories that his wife had never even heard before. She's like, you never told me that. But um, I wish I'd had more time with him. Uh, he wouldn't let me record him, so I just had to take notes. I don't know if that was a superstitious thing or he just didn't like the way he sounded. He had a really, really thick uh, Appalachian accent. A lot of people accent. don't. And um, he'd say, I, I brought a little tape recorder, a little reel-to-reel. -reel. I was just a kid, and he's like, nope. He said, I'll tell you stories, but you ain't recording me. So I just had yeah. to take notes. And, uh, of course, it was years later when I wrote the book. But uh, those stories, they, they get ingrained in you. You remember the little nuances and I tried to tell it in the way that it was told to me, you know, with, with the slang and the, the odd words and things, the colloquialisms Absolutely. and things that they used. I yep. felt that that lent more of an authenticity to it. I mean, I could have gone in and made it letter perfect and written it in proper English, but it just wouldn't carry the weight if as it does being told the way that it was told to me. And I, I state that in the book. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I feel the same way I did that in, uh, when I wrote Cabin 22 and uh, I wouldn't, ch I, I don't want to change the, uh, you know, the way somebody speaks, that's their personality. I mean, if they say, well, golly, that's how it's going to have to be written, you know, because how are you going to change it or the grammar or whatever? Yeah, when we did say, this book. Oh, golly gee, or oh, wow. They said, golly. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Even I had the experience when we wrote this book. This is, this is funny, and Steve, Steve, Steve will remember this, I have no doubt. So we're going through editors. This book had four editors, and it's still, you, you're going to find a mistake or two in it. This is not a perfect novel. This is our first you know, novel. We left it as is, but it's pure, and it's, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's from the heart, you know? But we ran it through four different ed editors, and we were just, 
we're done. The first one we gave it to, God bless him. Uh, you know, I love this man. He's an honorable man. He he was a wonderful, absolute, genuine hero uh, in the Vietnam War. And uh, smart as all get out, and he was a professor. So he volunteered to edit at first. And he, he, like I said, he was a professor. He was into literature. He changed everything. He put notes in the side. He told stories. He, you know, he corrected the grammar and he changed the way people talk, you know, the way they spoke and, and how they, um, it, it, it would, it was just, it was insane. Right, Steve? Yeah. It just, it changed the whole book, the whole, the, the, the nature of it and the, just the, the energy of it. And oh, he didn't last very long. Oh, but gosh, I, we had to go yeah. back and change it. Steve was pulling his hair out because he had to cut and paste and try to take things back because this guy had moved it. He changed margins. He did, I don't know what in the world. All we asked him to do was correct the spelling. Yeah. <laughs> just, just common mistakes, but he, he literally, he rewrote the book, <clears throat> and that wasn't what we needed at all. Oh, gosh. I, I remember so... we were talking about my book, and, and I knew you had all these fantastic stories. I mean, we talked for hours on the phone, just oh swapping word, stories back and forth, uh, not broadcasting it or doing it on YouTube or anything, but just talking. And I said, you've yeah. got to write a book. You've got to write a book. You've got to write a book. And finally, one day you said, okay, I'm going to do it, but I'm taking you with me. So that, that was literally how it came yep. about. Yep. That's what we did. And it's cool. I, we, you know what, Steve? You know what we haven't done? What's that? We haven't, we haven't put the name of the book yet. <laughs> I said it in the intro before I brought you in. Francisco loves these long titles, and it took me about two years to get it right. We are all children in the wilderness of the afterlife, a guided tour through a haunted life. Absolutely. There it is. You can find it on Amazon. And then Cisco is on YouTube, Journey Through the Gate Paranormal Portal Podcast. I told you she likes those long titles. (laughs) I do, too. I just love it. Well, here's the thing. Um I started out with this little, um, it's not really a mantra. It's more like, I think people need to slow down and take their time with things. Everybody push the button instant fast. And I know everybody loves uh, the tickety talks and all that mess and everything's really fast. You're just getting seconds and bam, 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 bam. You're not really engaging, you know, not, you know, broad brush, but you get my, my meaning. You're, we're losing that long form. Let's kick back and have a conversation. Exactly. Let's kick back and get I in, had uh, get into somebody comment subject. on one of my videos recently on Among the Missing. Uh, they didn't like it because I had a 25 second intro. What? Uh-huh. I mean, that's if, if, if you don't definitely have a, a 25 like my, second attention span. <laughs> Mine are 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But you know, that's we're the way joking. I tell stories. There's We're an intro, joking. I go into the cases or whatever Nicole has written for yeah. me to narrate, and then yeah. I have an, a, a conclusion and an outro. Yeah, that, yeah. That's just the way I was taught to do it. Yeah. Well, see, with mine is, people don't, they misunderstand because what happens with my channel, Journey Through the Gate, is we go in there on Sunday, Monday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern. Please come, please join, you know, subscribe. It's an acquired taste, but here's why. Because we talk about things. We try to tell the truth, popular, unpopular, whatever. This is what we've learned so far. We're still learning. We're talking about it. It's a fantastic live chat. And this is the thing. I understand a little bit. I'm no scholar, but 
about frequencies and vibrations. And you have to understand as a light worker, whatever your abilities are, or even if you're just a person trying to put more light into the world in darkness because you don't want to go down with it, even exactly. if it's just for you, even if it's just for you, and you yeah. don't consider yourself a light worker, but you're trying, you're the one in the office tries to make everybody laugh. You're the one that's like, it's going to be okay. You're a glass half full kind of person, and you just, you try to look at the positive side, you know, and yeah. all the way up to people with multiple abilities that are, you know, really um, and, intentionally and walking out. I've been sitting in over there with you on Mondays for what, a few years now. Yeah. And we've had some just amazing shows and, and we've both learned stuff that we didn't think yep. of or, yep. or you would Change say something mind, and I'd say, more what about yep. this? And you'd say, I never thought yep. of it that way. And that's, yep. That's so what true. it is. It's like an open dialogue and a discussion. And, it, and then yeah. the audience gets to participate as well. We got a great yep. crowd over there. You have a wonderful, wonderful yep. audience. And yep. uh, it's the just it's a unique people. experience and a, and a community. There's a sense of community there. There and is. All there there is. seeking answers. And then, as we found out, uh, the, the longer you do this, uh, you get more questions. I, I'm, more I've questions. got more questions now than when I started delving into all yep. of this. Yep, you and you're learning more and it's pieces. Everybody's got a piece of, you know, to the, the, the puzzle here. Even if you've been holding on to it for a while, maybe if you had that piece upside down, we kind of help each other turn that yeah. puzzle piece the right direction sometimes and go, oh, snap, you know, yeah. and that's and, what's uh, cool about it. But the, the going back to the intros real quick, when, you know, people complain about 25 a second, that's exactly my point. People can't wait. And get into it because that's the whole idea. You used to go and see a movie and a film and it wouldn't be a bunch of advertisements. It would be easing you into the big picture. It would be easing you into the big, the subject, you know, and that's what I do with my intros because this is the deal. If you are a light worker, you know that in order to grow in that and to be able to help other people, you have to walk into the darkness every once in a while. You have to be able to go in the darkness, pull somebody out. You know, you have to go through the darkness to learn, you know, about how important the light is and where, the, you know, and how to use your abilities and, you know, uh, and keep your frequencies and, and your vibration up. Right. So the whole idea of my intros is if we're going to have a dark subject, like we're going to talk about axe murders or we're going to talk about <laughs> about, you know, uh, Jack the Ripper or we're going to go in there and do some H.H. Holmes or. Or, or, or an assassination of a president or whatever. And those are all topics we've covered. Oh, yeah, and then some. And uh, you want a little light first. And it also gives the chat a chance to come in and get a good seat. Now, if you, if you come in there in the beginning live, how you're going to see it is everybody coming in, greeting each other, asking them how they are, that thing they were talking about last week, how'd that turn out? You know, how's that pet that's sick? They get better. You know, yes, they did. And the whole and every everybody in the chat's happier for it. What's really happening also behind the scenes is everybody is coming in and they're shedding their day. They've had this is this is Sunday night. They've had a long week. They've done their stuff. And before they got to go start another week, we're going to get together. And we're going to talk about something really groovy. But first, we're going to raise our vibration and leave some stuff from our day behind. And yeah. we can walk in that darkness. We can walk in that that murder scene or that that vampire or whatever, and come back out 
and we, we do the opposite. We did give a little little light on the way out, and we're done. Yeah. And every and, it's and like you have going people to a that spa. come in there that have genuine problems, be it uh, physical yeah. problems, health problems, and and they yep. ask for prayer or support. Or uh, yep. just send them uh, light and things like that. I mean, it's it's a, a healing Absolutely. and nurturing environment. In addition to all the creepy stuff that we we delve into. At the same time, at the same time, we're talking about uh, you know Lizzie Borden and getting you no know, listen, guys. When we do a case over there, we do um, say the Liska axe murder. Steve and I, Steve was part of it. We had we didn't just you know tell the story of, of Liska. We got the definitive expert. Now, I'll use the word expert for this gentleman, wouldn't you, Steve? Dr. Ed Epperly. Dr. Epperly is an expert on that case. And I don't like to be called an expert. And usually if somebody identifies themselves as an expert, particularly the paranormal, I'll run the other way. I don't think there are experts. There are researchers and and things. But as far as that case goes, and that's he didn't really talk so much about the supernatural element of but, uh, the where's and why's of the crime that was committed. So he's definitely yeah. an expert about the Villisca axe murders. Absolutely. And the book he wrote, um, the book he wrote is called Fiend Incarnate. So if you ever, if you want to know about that case, you know, don't pass go, don't question him at all. Just get that book and read what, what it. What was because the, that the title again? It's called Fiend Incarnate. The Villisca Axe Murder Case of uh, Dr. Ed Epperly. Ed, Dr. Ed Epperly, E-P-P-E-R-L-Y. Now, the easy thing to do is go over to my channel and look up uh, Villisca Axe Murder, um, and you'll you'll get the whole thing. I've got it all in the playlist for you from the first uh, uh, first show on. And I think we did three shows with him, Steve, didn't we? Two hours uh, three a piece. Three or maybe four. It, it was uh, substantial. And he came back and did a Q uh, Q and A live with the chat and the gatekeepers. It was an amazing time. So if you ever want to know about this case, you can go in in the beginning of that. By the time you get through that gauntlet of information, yeah, and you'll be an expert on it too. And yeah, for an exactly. octogenarian, he has more energy than I do. And he Absolutely. just, especially, I mean, you could tell God when he started him. talking about that case, it just lit him up. He's literally yep. made it his life's work to find out everything that he could possibly know about this case. And yep. as much as I even interviewed family members of eyewitnesses. People that were like there. That. Yeah. He, he interviewed the, uh, one of the first police that was in the, uh, the policeman that were, was in the door. Um, he's it, Because the thing is, is Ed has been doing this for 65 years. I think he was 18 19 something like that when he first started because he started the first year of college for some kind of history paper and he lived near Villisca so he pretty much lived it you know wound up being a professor at the um, college not far from there and uh, was able to get more information and letters and more uh, access access to documents and things like that that other people never had amazingly he has yeah. the, 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 the murder, believed murder weapon yeah. that uh, I don't know how he came into possession of that. I forgot the story, but uh, he used to get it out at dinner parties and pass it around. Yeah, that's why he said now that there's DNA, it wouldn't do any good because he said there's, there'd be more turkey gravy on that and uh, <laughs> chicken grease and anything else. He said, but because 
you know, and that sounds so macabre, and it is, you know, um, how could you pass around a, a, such a horrible thing? And that's the first thing that comes to my mind, too. But then I look back and I go, you know, pe- that people are going to look, people are going to do it. I mean, there is a case, doing these podcasts and doing the shows with you and doing the research and having the interest that I do, as crazy as it sounds, but we all do. And Eric from Unseen Paranormal told me at the Gettysburg Bash, standing on the battlefield, which is just, I love stuff like that. And he said to me, and it just made me laugh, he said, you know, honey, I I, I have to research true crime just to cleanse my palate of the paranormal. <laughs> yeah, and that makes sense. And it's, it's like a Venn diagram. Those circles overlap. The ghost stories and, and true crime, paranormal cryptids, all those circles overlap each other. It's so true. It's so true. But, um, yeah, you, you find some good shows over there. But the thing is, it's not just the good shows. The thing is, the people we get to talk to, the knowledge we've been able to acquire from so many wonderfully talented, um, their their intent is impeccable. You know, it's, it's like when you get to the end of all this and you weeded through all the, well, the weeds. You know what I mean? And you get to this point where you just have this amazing palette of wonderful souls and talented, wonderful people in in your Rolodex, I guess. And your, you know, and your now it's in your computer and your cell phone and your mind, I guess. But the thing is, is it, it amazes me. It gives the whole phrase, I got a guy, a whole different look, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and and you have. You've got such a roster there. You've got a guy for everything. Uh, you want to talk mm-hmm. dog man? You've got an expert on that or a, a researcher. I don't, some of those guys, I wouldn't necessarily claim that they're experts, but got people and that have done their either. research and know what they're talking about. Uh, UFOs, uh, uh, crime cases like that, a uh, little bit of everything. There's something for everybody at, at some point over there. Now, like you said, it is an acquired taste, and it's not all the time for everybody. But if you like that sort of thing, you'll find something on your channel that, that's, that suits yep. your palate. Yep. I just tell people in the beginning, if you don't like this one, you know, this one's too much. See see you Monday. You know, see you next Sunday. See you, that, you know, because not everybody wants to hear about that, but. And people wonder why, too. And it's not just that they that, you know, they circle, you know, kind of overlap each other and and they do. But I think it's also because it keeps you sharp. It's it's almost the same reason people do crossword puzzles in the way it's solving a little mystery. It's it's research and it's using, you know, it's, uh, you know, cognitive and it's using, you know, deductive reasoning. And um, it's just you do little exercises like that. You know, I look at it as an exercise in discernment. You know, some of the things we learn in these cases, these um, ghost experiences or these other, you know, cases, whether it's a dogman or, or a Bigfoot encounter or something along those lines, you learn from each and every one of them, you know, and you learn from each and every one of these people. And, you know, to be able to talk to somebody Steve and I do a couple of shows on my channel that reach back to 1975 documentaries talking about ghosts, talking about psychic energies, talking about uh, ESP. And that's when they were testing, guess what's on the card kind of stuff and putting them through all kind of tests like, uh, you know, like a bunch of white mice, you know, 
or the the sealed envelope test and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And they still do that. I mean, I know they test a lot of people to get them certified this, that, medium, whatever, psychic. Yeah. But but the but, thing but is, is they miss so much of the good stuff. Experts, or not experts necessarily, but we've delved into the history of the Ouija board, how that came to be, and uh, how there was a time, you know, in San Francisco when uh, people were going nuts in the street because of Ouija boards and stuff. That was when we, yeah. we started looking into uh that's Stuff true. From a hundred years ago, we did we did that special. Yep. And, yep. Uh, there, there and complaining about the aftermath at one time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and bad things happen. The, and deep dive on the the, Ken, or the the Lincoln assassination. And yep. one, of the, one of the most amazing things about that to me, there there was somebody recently, just a few years ago, writing a book about it, and they started getting death threats. Now, what kind mm -hmm. of conspiracy or cover up does it play mm -hmm. there that? That long after the event, right. there's still things that people don't want you peering too closely at. And we kind of came to the conclusion of who that might have been in that uh, that the end of that episode. I think that was like six episodes because I went I went all the way back to his mother and him and, you know, how she came yeah. to be where she was and, and we've what happened to, to her. The, the 27 Club. Uh, mm -hmm. with, the, with the rock musicians, we talk cursed mm -hmm. films and cursed books, and just there's yep. a plethora, literally a myriad of stuff over there that Charles Manson, something for everybody. Yep, the McDonald killing, the McDonald massacre on uh, Fort, Fort Bragg, I think it was, wasn't it? I think it was, I think it was Bragg, but that was horrible, yeah. you know, and that was with all the the hippies and. You know, acid is groovy, kill the pigs or what all. You know, it was very similar to the Helter Skelter. We we did, we dug all that up. We hit the Titanic. We went through the Titanic. Threw icebergs at people. Steve, tell them that one. <laughs> yeah, we, we were doing a show about the Titanic. I'm so sorry, but my and, God. And literally, uh, we were mentioning places where there's a Titanic exhibit. And the, the two that I'm aware of, there's one in Las Vegas. And there's one in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And literally, the, within just a few seconds of us mentioning the one in Pigeon Forge. He's not lying. Artificial iceberg that they had there. It was real ice. I guess they've got liquid nitrogen or something running through pipes. They had an iceberg that you could actually touch and feel. It collapsed and sent like three people to the hospital. Four, within seconds. And the, the 911 yes. call went out. And that was the time when we had mentioned it. And we, we've had oh, that gosh. happen. On a lot of so occasions with people, with celebrities we've talked yeah. about, yep. we will mention a celebrity just in passing, maybe. And then by the time the next week the show rolls around again, that celebrity would have passed on. That's kind of frightening. Yep. We have to be careful who we talk about sometimes. We do. <laughs> and it's it's not funny. It really isn't. We often wonder what's going on, you know, because with electronics and, you know, you're in the airwaves, you're picking up. I mean, think about it, people. You know, it's just, it's so simple flip in and out you know energies and i mean if you can if an entity can know when you're talking about them whether it's a loved one and you're thinking about them on their birthday or something like that in the medium you know you find out down the line through a medium or somebody else or psychic and they tell you that hey you know i i, I heard you talking when you were talking on my birthday that time or whatever might come through but you somehow you find that out it's amazing to me again you know but it's no different than being in the woods and telepathically getting a message, you know, stay back. 
you know, or go or, 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 you know, that kind of feeling, you know go, what I mean? Go a different way, go around. Go a different it. way, back I've up, had that you know, in the woods you before when it goes silent. And it goes dead silent, you dead silent. You can't hear the birds, you can't hear the leaves, you can't hear no cricket. the water or the traffic in the distance or the other. <laughs> the wind even just, stops. That's, that's a sign that you're in some place that you don't need to be. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why if you back up and you get it, you know, uh, a view from, you know, I don't care whether it's a 30,000 or 40,000 foot view, go up as high as you need to and look down and take a look at the bigger picture. You can't, you can't poo poo, you know, say that Bigfoot doesn't have any uh, 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 abilities because this experience, this person had this experience with Bigfoot and he didn't act like that. But somebody else has a an experience that might be a little bit more on the supernatural side like maybe a a a fuzzy photograph and nothing you know it didn't look fuzzy to them or uh blurry like you said or um as like in skinwalker ranch you know looking and all of a sudden it looked like somebody unzipped the sky and this just this rip appeared and this thing just stepped out of it looked both ways and walked on and disappeared well, what the heck is that? Yeah, what is that? A portal, you know, a rip so in you, time, some right, sort of or, machinery that, that we're not right. aware of that can cause that? But you get count, account after account after account after account of these things. And that's why I was saying we go went all the way back to 75, talking about Bigfoot and creatures, you know, different things seen in the woods. And these people that we're listening to doing this documentary have been doing it 25 years. So now you can go all the way back even more. And we're listening to it now, 2023, you know, and it's like, that's such an accumulation of eyewitness accounts, uh, you know, so many different things. And I think that's also what causes the fight. It's just like ghosts, Steve, you know, we're always arguing about what they can and can't do or what we should and shouldn't do or all this other stuff instead of saying, man, look, this is all going on. It's all individual. Everybody's going to have a different experience with a ghost. There's so many, it, it, you know, what's the ghost going through? Why is it doing it? Why is it here? Is it, is it an essence of a person like a residual that just keeps looping? Is it intelligent? If it's intelligent, What's going on with the ghost? And why is it attached? Why is it showing himself? Or does it even know you exist? And I think it's like that old story about the four blind men describing an elephant. Each one experienced the same elephant, but they all described it differently because one had the trunk, Mm -hmm. one had the tail, one had the side, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, the same Mm -hmm. with the Bible. Mm -hmm. You've got uh, the the Gospels of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all depictions of Christ, but from that, individual person's view and I've, I've heard people argue that well uh how come the the apostles couldn't even get it right they all told a different story it's just their perception and what they observed or saw and i think that's 100%. what it is two people can have an experience and sometimes right. it will be identical they saw they heard the same thing but sometimes there's variations in there one person saw it do this another person heard it talk you know it's just it's again, yeah. it's it's an individual thing, how open you are to it and what your perception of it is. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I, I just think that the, the problem is we're getting so stuck in on the semantics of it. We're missing the big picture here, you know, right. and, and we're also missing the fact that 
you know, uh, uh, how many different accounts of uh, these creatures being uh, telepathic, like I I said. Well, in my experience also, so are these uh, human spirits. You know, I try to refer to the ones that have crossed over and come come and, you know, visit loved ones or whatever, you know, happens there or sometimes come back to try to get other ghosts across and these kind all telepathic. How many alien stories, alien visitations, telepathic? Yeah. Right. How many stories? Like a gray alien or whatever. They're looking at them, but the mouth doesn't move, but they can hear them talking. Correct. Correct. So correct. And I've had personal experiences, same thing, telepathic, you know, mouth doesn't move. It's their voice sounds like them. And I hear it in my head, just like we said earlier. Right. But it's the same with so many of these Bigfoot stories. And I was amazed to find out when I started researching even deeper into Dogman, when I wrote Cabin 22, a lot of that stuff came to me and it just seemed natural. So I put it in there. I did refer to many people that are, are much, uh, you know, more into uh, Dogman and Rougarou and, you know, their habits and what's the lore and, and things like that. I touched on that. Of course, I would. I've got the, I got a guy. So I go to him, you know, hey, what, well, what would happen if this? How would how do you think they would react so I could get it right? But the other stuff, the spiritual stuff, the trying to understand how I tr- started out with it was thinking, what would a wolf do in the wolf pack? It's going to act very much like that. There's going to be an alpha. There's going to be a, a leader. There's going to be, you know, the ones that, you, you know what I'm saying? So I went that route, but the and, thought and I've heard process, of that in hauntings where yep. there's, there's multiple entities or apparitions there. There will be one that's dominant. That they, they want to be the one yeah, to talk. Yeah. They want to be the one to do things. They won't they more energy want you too, to yeah. even acknowledge the other spirits that are there. You, you hear that right. a lot. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But when I was doing that book, it, it just amazed me that a lot of that stuff kind of wrote itself. But the more, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is they, they were very telepathic as well. And then here just recently, this is like, what, two, three years after the writing, I find out they are because I'm starting to dig in and research a little deeper. And I'm hearing these experiences people are having where they were throwing out thoughts to, you know, the people that were seeing them. They knew what it was thinking, you know, and it's just it blew my mind. And I thought, well, why not? Everything else does. You know, (laughs) you know what I mean? That was like, well, why um, not? Yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Attention all Ground Zero radio fans. GroundZeroMerch.com is your one-stop shop for all things Ground Zero. Oh, wow. Show off your style with our exclusive collection of T-shirts and hoodies. They're not just comfortable, they're conversation starters. Need to keep hydrated during those long listen sessions. Get your hands on our durable water bottles. And now 
introducing our latest editions, a hand-picked selection of intriguing books that will keep your mind buzzing. GroundZeroMerch.com. Support Ground Zero and everything we do. Children in the Wilderness of the Afterlife, while those are true accounts, Cabin 22, yeah. that's a fictional uh, retelling of actual events. So everything that cool. you've got in there, and there's everything literally including the kitchen sink that's haunted, those are based on other people's experiences or things that you've heard or things that you've experienced just presented in a different way. That's yep. uh paranormal yeah. fact you know, fiction, I guess you would call it. It is, it is. And the thing is, is I would say that uh, not everything in there is exactly, you know, uh, that, but you're not going to know which ones. And I can tell you also that it's the craziest ones those are the ones that are true. <laughs> because and the original short story that started that saga, that was based on a, an actual cabin that, that you and your mother stayed in in Alabama. Is that correct? Uh, me and my, uh, my sons. Oh, okay. My sons and I. That didn't happen to us, but but that's how I had that feel about it because it was so easy to just, well, it's just throw the ghost in, you know? Yeah. That, that, that one I made up out of whole cloth, though, yeah. But that was for your birthday because his birthday folks is on Halloween. And he was doing, he, he had this bright idea, started a, a YouTube channel. And um, I think I prodded you into that one too. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he did. I'd written the book and I said I wanted to narrate. And I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to narrate. And I thought, well, dummy, you've got these books that you've written. And you YouTube. even helped me name the channel. I was bouncing some yep. ideas around. And 13. you actually said 13 past midnight, go with that one. Yep. And, go with and that it's one. over yep. uh, 13,000 subscribers now. It's amazing. It's amazing. So he did this on that channel, Halloween. He did 31 days of Halloween. So that's a show a day, folks, for 31 days straight. So, you know, that's editing and reading and narrating and, and you know, sometimes writing. Sometimes reading something you already wrote, you know. It's just all or, these different having things. Guess, but I have something yep. up. Every night. Every, every night. Yeah. Every night. And that gets, you know, somewhere around 28, it gets a little dry. <laughs> you get a little tired. 25, 26, you know. So yeah, you I said. That mid-October slump, you know, where you're yeah, yeah, yeah. 16, 17, 18 days in and like, am I going to ever make it to the end of I ain't going to make it. Yeah. I said, oh, so you, you wrote that little story. Yeah. And uh, I, you recorded it and uh, sent it to me. And that was a, a night off work for me. Yep, that's what I said. I said, here, take the night off. Here's here's a story I wrote. Um, and I narrated it and recorded it and edited it for you. Put in a bunch of little wonderful, like, screams and stuff in there and, you know, all kind of crazy laughter, spooky music in the beginning and everything. And I said, here, happy birthday. Take the night off. And everybody loved it and said that and, – and Steve came back and said, everybody's asking – you know, is there more of these that they, they like it? You know, they like the voices because I did all kind of crazy voices and stuff. And uh, so I, he challenged it. You challenged me and said, I bet you can't write a song, write a story. We were talking about Scooby-Doo and the way that, that those are formatted with the, you know, uh, it's a Mr. Green and that kind of thing. You know, I yeah. said, write a Halloween story with everything about Halloween in it. You know, and and, and make and it come out the other end. It. <laughs> and it took up ended up being what about fourteen hours long, start to finish, over yep. six or seven episodes, I think. Yep, yep, 
Yep, almost. I think it's. I think it's almost fifteen hours straight because it's and, fully and narrated. This month for spooky season, you're going to play that in it its live. entirety. Yeah. Uh, play it live. I'm looking forward. Play to it that. live on the sh- on the show. Everybody's going to be in the chat. We we have snacks. We have recipes. We have bacon caramel popcorn. We have uh, uh, Mrs. McGee's apple pie moonshine, and and I'll tell you what that's pretty good it's got uh apple cider and uh fireball and a couple other things in it some vanilla vodka it's crazy how good it is brown sugar around the little brown sugar and honey around the rim it's good stuff on crushed ice oh my god Uh, i'm a teetotaler (laughs) but but that sounds good if i was going to drink i would drink something like that there's 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 a non-alcoholic version as well it doesn't have quite the same kick but it's tasty as all get out so you, you know you can still sit at the table, Steve. <laughs> so anyway, we're gonna we're gonna listen to that. But the the bizarre thing about that whole thing for me, though, is how some of that book wrote itself, and it's the more spiritual stuff that, or the um, more paranormal stuff, you know, whatever. And it, it it kills me. Even the people and the characters, the way they acted, and and the things that happened with them. There's this part in the book, I mean, in the uh, Cabin 22, where this guy has such an obsession with a rat that he can't quite, he can't catch. It's always missing his traps and it won't take his bait. And it's too quick for him and it, it's real slick and hiding and it can jump and, you know, and ditch and dive and, and it's really pissing him off. And the whole thing between this crazy, greasy, moonshining, you know, mountain dude from <laughs> just a great character. But um, he's, he's a little uh, shady, you know, and uh, he doesn't like to be uh, outdone by a rat. And it turns into almost what you said, Steve, like Moby Dick. Yeah, it does. That, that rat becomes his nemesis. Yep. And that's just that there's so many, so much subtext and so many other story arcs going on within the story. It, it's just amazing. Yep. And it tells, and the whole time you don't realize you're being taken on a journey through all these different aspects of the paranormal. And, you know, whether it's um, a young girl with abilities just trying to understand them and has no idea how powerful she really is. Um, to even, uh, you know, uh, there's a dog and his name is Rage and he's an amazing animal. And the way he becomes what he becomes in this story, I think that's like a whole, like a whole nother parallel story in the, in the book too, Steve, I think. Don't you? Yeah. And, and, and Rage and, uh, is that, that's a dog's name, right? Yeah. Name and, is Rachel. Uh, and Dave, they they Dave, can have yeah. their own series. You could do like a continuing yeah. series with just That'd those be great characters. To write another. If, That'd if be great had, to write another. I'd like to. Yeah, and uh, what did they do after the cabin? Because you've had people come and ask that. Well, after uh, Dave and Rage got out of there, then what did they do next? What what's next? Well, you never know, and, Steve. You never uh, know. That's how I was taught. Uh, to write fiction is you ask yourself that question, what happens yep. next? 
And that's all I had to do is, is do that and put my fingers on the keys. And I think a couple of spirits got a hold of me and wrote it themselves. I'm, I don't even know. Uh, if I, I, I seriously believe there was some automatic writing going on there because <laughs> I think so. like, I'd I be like, where did you get that idea? Good. And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it's, it, again, it's like, it still blows my mind. Like you said, we've had more questions than answers, but that doesn't mean I haven't gotten some answers that I'm totally satisfied with. It makes so much sense. You know, again, call them theories, call them, you know, where I'm at, you know, I don't know what, but it's, it's, it's amazing how at this point of my understanding, right or wrong, it's all coming yet together where everything is connected, you know, and I can't, I can't quite express that as strongly as I, you know, as I'm feeling it. It's just, I don't mean that everybody's in cahoots with one another. I mean, you know, like, you know, dog bands cahooting with the fairies or the, you know, or the aliens or whatever. I'm not saying they're not because there's many people who spend a lot of time researching that have some pretty good facts on Bigfoot connections to UFOs and or UFO sighting and yeah, and that's that's one thing I've noticed. That a lot of times, when you have an encounter with one, there'll be an encounter with the with the other. If you have UFO sightings in an area, there's usually going to be a Bigfoot sighting in the same area at or around the same time. That's are, true. Are they connected? And, uh, are they not? Yeah, I had the Connellys on. I had the Connellys on, and that's a, a father and son team. They've been at it quite a while, several decades, and they have uh, pins all over the globe of what you just mentioned you know of, of connections you know between the two and sightings and it's 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 really incredible and like i said that's that's when you start getting it when you back up and you look at all of it together instead of two people in a room fighting or three people in a room or at a convention which is a lot of people in a room fighting about it where they're saying no bigfoot doesn't do that because i was there and i saw him do this and i i've studied him for this long and i've seen him do this and somebody else comes in and says, well, no, I've seen him do this, this, and this. You've got to understand there's more than one kind. Yeah, and, and I've been and to some of those conventions when I lived in the Pacific it. Northwest. And literally, you would see people get into almost fistfights over uh, what Bigfoot does or doesn't do or Sasquatch or, or whatever you want to call it. Yep. You know, and I think it's almost, it's almost easier to digest if you look at it like um, I think most people know you know, when you say a squirrel, have a visual in their mind. But I assure you, if you get in a car and you go around state to state and look at the squirrels, they change. They're different Some sizes. Some might be a little more hairy. Color. They have Colors. different uh, habits in different places <laughs> yep. that they forage for food. Different yeah, species, in any species, you're yep. going to find some difference in them. And they change. From, from one area and when to you another. start adding... <laughs> Excuse me. When you start adding in the, you know, the um, non, say maybe non-physical aspect of it, like what if there was something that could live in another dimension or different frequency, different vibration? You know what I mean? And mm. not be physical. I mean, you know, and then come through whatever they come through—a portal, the veil, you know, a dimension, you know, coming in. To our world and just at that time be physical and have that ability to do those things back and forth. Well, that would explain not finding bodies, right? 
Right. What if there's some big foot that go in and out of the portals and some that have gone in and out of the portals but over time decided to stay and become more um, more physical in this world and decided to, you know, break off and be their own tribe, much like many other continents have had indigenous people breaking off and going and creating new tribes and a new people. Because again, I go back to the native people's names for these creatures, however broad you want that brush to be, usually refers to them as a people. You know, the people who live in the woods, you know, the 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 forest people or the hairy people or the, you know, uh, this type is what I mean. So wouldn't that tell you, if you think about it, that they consider them just another tribe of sorts? You know, what would be different? And if you look at them, like I said, like if you look at them like squirrels or raccoons, there's nothing unnatural to us about that. Why do we get so crazy about these things? Again, because we don't understand. They're big. They've been said to be aggressive. We don't understand. You bump into them in the woods. They don't want you there. You don't want to be there. You know what I mean? Or you startle you know, each other. Or they really are aggressive to keep you out of their business. Because, you know, look what's happened to anybody. Yeah, who when you're in the woods, you're a guest in their house. You know, yeah. so their rules apply. Maybe they were around and saw what happened to the uh, indigenous people in uh, the north, you know, <laughs> in our area, and say, "Hey, heck, no, you ain't coming in here and pushing us out." You know, yeah. they're fighting for the territory, or maybe they don't. Maybe they just are distracting you by throwing rocks and stuff, so the rest of them could get away. You know, may, so many things could be misunderstood. You know, um, I defend my territory, right? So, again, if you think about it that way, if you think about a pack of wolves, now you just have a pack of wolves. Is it like that, though? Are dogmen like this? Are they just a more, I'm not saying evolved breed of a wolf, but similar to that in the next step, I guess. I'm not really saying evolution, but I'm saying like the next step. But how did we get there? Yeah, or, or their their learning capacity, or their the way it, that they learn things. Yeah, but wasn't it? Do you think in the in the case of the dogman? And I'm just asking. I'm just throwing darts at the board here. Do you think it was a natural progression? Because I'm not even questioning that they exist at this point. I'm saying how did how did we how did they get here? So we've got accounts of them going back thousands of years. You know. For sure. And and that's not coming from me. That's from people who know what they're talking about. You know, I'm just parroting that, you know. And but it seems like they've gotten more so and more aggressive and smarter. And you're getting now you're getting a little bit more of the telepathic stuff. Now, I don't know if they did it back then. and We just didn't know about it. People didn't know how to write it or we're not picking up on it. But, you know, and it's just they stayed the same or they've they've evolved 
Attention all Ground Zero radio fans. GroundZeroMerch.com is your one-stop shop for all things Ground Zero. Oh, wow. Show off your style with our exclusive collection of T-shirts and hoodies. They're not just comfortable, they're conversation starters. Need to keep hydrated during those long listen sessions. Get your hands on our durable water bottles. And now introducing our latest additions, a hand-picked selection of intriguing books that will keep your mind buzzing. GroundZeroMerch.com. Support Ground Zero and everything we do. Are you brave enough to step into the unknown, where shadows whisper and secrets unfold? Welcome to Ground Zero Radio, your gateway to the other side, now within reach on iOS, Android, and Alexa. Dive deep into the abyss with Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. Unravel mysteries with the secret teachings and explore the unexplained in Into the Parabnormal. Listen to live radio and podcasts, read our latest articles, and message the station all in our new mobile apps. Download the Ground Zero Radio app today, now available in the App Store. And did they have help? Because I'm starting to hear things about... Yeah, well, we've encroached on their territory, and they're they're kind of pushing back now. You know, it's like uh, coyotes in, in urban areas. You have that off. You have bears. Uh, coming out of the woods and into the, the cities and stuff because we've gone so far into their habitat that now they feel welcome to, to come into ours. And I think it could be the same uh, with, with cryptids and, and things like that. that they're, they're Absolutely. Said, yep, 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 yep. And that's, what, you know, funny you should say that because that I, I believe I'm, you know, I kind of was leaning toward that in the book and saying perhaps, you know, they were pushed up out of Louisiana because, you know, the whole thing starts to, starts to roll and snowball because there is a mass um, of, a, you know, these creatures that don't belong in this territory for some reason have had to migrate and move. Just like any, you know, indigenous people, you know, got pushed out and had to move or had to follow the buffalo or, you know, think of it that way. But if you had a natural disaster like a hurricane with massive floods, like say something like Katrina, that would have to push out the, you know, the things in the the creatures in the woods too. And I, I experienced that being in Alabama at that time, there was a huge influx of wildlife and not just human beings bringing their pets and themselves. Yeah. But, if you, uh, you go and build the houses wildlife in there, well. they've got to go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that also changes wherever they decide to land. Now they've got to find new territory. So they've got to fight for it. They've got to search for it. They've got to, you know what I mean? And in, with something like a pack of dogmen getting moved or uh, a group of Bigfoot, you know, I don't and, know what And they've got that. their own pecking order. They've got, they have you know, to, they're yeah. alpha uh, creatures. So they're, they're, they're fighting amongst them and then they're all banding together to, uh, Fight against the encroachment on their their habitat or their their territory. And the same thing happens with the human beings. Same deal, yeah, dude. Exactly. Everybody's got to move up here. They got to find space. They got a place place to live, a place to work. They got to find you know, you know, again, and it changes things. What even it might be subtle, and you don't see it all at once, or it could be yeah. something as drastic as a pack of talking you know, about that the other day. A lot of wars are fought over pieces of property, over land. This is our yeah. land. You can't have it. No, we're going to take it. You even see that like with the 
the street gangs and stuff. You know, they've got their block, their territory. They'll fight to the death for it because you don't come onto our block. You stay on your block. Yep. And you know, and I think um, it's a big deal. And, And if you think about it, like I said, I know I keep bringing up nature, but people seem to be able to digest it so much easier when you think about you know, um, a, a bunch of beaver that their home got destroyed and things changed, flooded out, something gotta happened, go a forest fire. But they got to go somewhere to fight for territory. Have you ever gone out in the woods and seen a house where nature has just taken it back over? I yes. I came across one time what I thought was the largest clump of kudzu that I'd ever seen. Turns out there was a house in there, an abandoned house. Nature had overclimbed. There was trees growing up through the roof and stuff. But it was, you know, back to nature. Nature had reclaimed it. Wow. And I, th- I think you know, nature nature's always going to win for the most part, that. I think. We we do some terrible things to it. But uh, yeah. it just, it's the wheels it's of nature grind slow it's, but fine, yeah. to uh, paraphrase there. That's the whole point. It's extremely resilient. But you know what? So are we. And so is um, any creatures that's walking out there, whether it's, a you know, a pack of raccoon or a pack of, you know, they, they, they learn to adapt in order to survive mm-hmm. just, just like people or even if you're talking about ghosts you know i mean you could you could add the same thing to them if you're talking about a house or um like a, a haunted prison or a haunted hospital or whatever the, the one of the most interesting things to think about is are they aware of each other you know that would that's a great question to ask about that and i would have to say some are, some aren't. Yeah, exactly. You know, in there my, are in no my experience, hard and fast answers, right. and that's the whole thing about studying they leave, the paranormal, the supernatural. Them. What applies yep. in one particular case may not apply in any other case, or it could apply in several other cases. It's, yep. it, and it's not a one size fits all way to look at things. Yeah, and you have to think, you know, too. It's like almost you have to sift through. You have to do a triage. I mean, if if you went at something like this and you had the ability and you could sort it and you could get everybody to listen, which is, you know, I've already gone way off the board because that's that's almost a near impossibility because you've got all these different ghosts all vibrating at a different, you know, just like we are. Basically, you have a bunch of people from Walmart. You know, if you just go to Walmart and everybody all of a sudden is just standing around and they're staring at you, not saying anything, or some of them are yelling and you can't quite understand them because maybe several are yelling at once. I know people have to live with this stuff. You know, it's insane. And if you could get everybody, okay, everybody stop. Wait a minute. You know? yep, exactly. <laughs> you know? And one at a time here. Now you're going to hear the ones with the strongest, most, if they were the strongest, most boisterous in life, if they had a lot of energy, if they were the ones that would command the room, they're probably going to be the same now. You know, there's not a lot of, especially if they haven't crossed, there's, there's very little change from your earth, you know, your uh, living personality that, to your dead personality. Most hateful, nastiest ghosts were, were that way in life as well. It just, it carried over with them to the afterlife. Yeah. I, I believe but, that. But, you know, it, it, even when the people you cross, there's a lot of people have to go through a lot of healing. Now, this, again, is this is just what I've learned, you know, over time from a lot of very wise people, you know, that don't know each other, that all say the same thing. Now, isn't that amazing? 
must be true. You know, all different walks of life all, from all around the globe, you know, different traditions, heritages, beliefs, you know, ages, gen- you know, you name it across the board and all come up with the same thing. Well, what does that tell you? Some bit of it must be true, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the, when you go over, a lot of souls have to go through a healing process and you have help doing this. And is that the same for everybody? I would have to say no, because it depends on how you are yeah, and it's how just like you a are medical when you treatment leave. or something. So, when you so leave, yeah. two people, two different people respond to the same treatment in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, and need a, a some need a lot more of how it. much you want to be that the, the human condition there plays a lot, mm-hmm. I think, in medicine or anything like that. It's how badly right. you want it to work. That can play a part right. in it. Right. And so imagine standing in a hospital, you know, or something like that, just, you know, insert your haunted building here and where a group of people would be a battlefield, maybe. And you've got all these around you and you just can't assume that they're all in the same mindset as a group. You know what I mean? Each one of them is just as individual as we are. There's no different. And we forget that, I think, sometimes. You know, so how, what are they thinking? What's going on in their mind? How do we look to them? Can they all see me? Can they see each other? Do they know they're dead? I'm reminded of that story you told about the elevator. Would would you recount that one again? I think that was at Gettysburg. Oh, I would love to. This is Gettysburg College, one of my favorites. And I have to give um, full credit to um, a good friend. I just love him and his wife, Mr. Mark Nesbitt from uh, out of Gettysburg. He runs the candlelight ghost tours there. He was a, I, I always call him a park ranger. And I think that's correct, but it sounds funny because I think, I think yeah. you're picking a basket uh, when a I haunted park ranger. Yeah. 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 I think, I think you bear when I say that, but um, anyway, it's, it's, it's a gathering. I wouldn't even say it's his story, but he is, he has collected the stories from the witnesses that this happened to over, um, over the years and uh, it's his story. So for Mark, so anyway, it's happened at Gettysburg college. And if you know about anything about Gettysburg, it was one of the bloodiest three days uh, ever happened in the civil war. There's, you know, definitely bloody battles all through the American civil war, but Gettysburg was uh, no doubt uh, very notable. And um, Gettysburg college uh, it's an amazing building, wonderful, obvious, wonderful history. But um, it's now, of course, like anything else, more modernized. It was like every other building anywhere in or near Gettysburg from you know, spread out quite a bit. Most every house that had a basement was used as a hospital. Everybody's living room, everybody, you know, it, it, just imagine. Because it's a very small town, and it was two thousand people, uh, roughly. And um, in one day, they had about one hundred fifty thousand soldiers uh, bearing down on them from all directions, and every single one of them <laughs> was there to fight. So it was quite the mess. So Gettysburg College, of course, uh, was used as a makeshift hospital and had uh, quite a, a bloody time of it. I assure you. And the story begins uh, now, flash forward, 
it is in uh, modern times and the college is still going and uh, is very, you know, just very busy. And they ha- were having a late night meeting from for the administration and um, it was just getting re- released. And I think it was three people in the original story, the first story I ever heard about it. They got in the elevator to go home and they're chit-chatting and they push the button to go down to uh, the, I think it was the lobby. I don't think it was the garage. It was a lobby. And the elevator kept going down, 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 down. And it passes the uh, first floor and it keeps going down to the basement. And apparently it was a sub-basement. If you've ever been in those elevators where it's got a basement and then a, a basement one or a basement two. So those are more like, the maintenance uh, basements or the access to electrical and things like that to run this huge, big building. And it keeps going down. And they're pushing buttons. And of course, it's not doing anything. And finally, it stops and the doors open. And when the doors open, they are bombarded by sounds of cries and screams and people in agony from all directions. Right in front of them is a live performance of what that place must have looked like during the Battle of Gettysburg. And they were using it as a hospital. So you've got soldiers acting like orderlies and carrying bodies on stretchers back and forth. You've got men lined up against the walls, leaning and help, trying to help each other with their wounds. You've got doctor people forced in the physician position, I guess you could say, and trying to uh, ready a soldier to get his leg amputated. And then you've got something else going over here. And so every direction you, these people looked in, there was another scene of horror and gore and agony and despair. And they were so overwhelmed with this wave of all of this, the visual, the sounds, and all three of them seem to focus or be pulled in the to to look in the direction of this one physician that was trying to help this man that was being held down by another three or four and the physician actually looked up from his work and looked directly at them and gave them a look of like help me and mouthed something to them but they, they all said it just like that and i conjectured you know they were seeing something from the past but when that event happened in the past, do you think that surgeon was saw the wall open up and saw these oddly dressed people standing there? Maybe he thought they were angels or something that had just appeared, yep. and that's why he was asking for their help. That's just what a that question. story gives yeah. me the chills. There's so many different ways you can go with that. Yep, yep, absolutely. And it does. It gives you the chills, and it makes you stop and think. And when you said that, that's what I mean. You know, meant earlier when I was talking about the vantage point of the experiencer too, the you know, the living person that sees whatever, whether it's a Bigfoot or a ghost or has an experience like this, this is this is so much more than seeing a ghost. Now yeah. you gotta did kind that of pick scene, it apart. Did it just fade out or did the doors close and when they opened them again? The doors it was closed. Almost, yeah. The doors closed and it, it the doors closed and it it moved and went up, you know. And um, I believe and they went they back were, down and looked and nothing down there. In, I believe in this case, if we're talking about the original story of this that Mark put in his first book, it was 
yes, they went upstairs. They went back up to where they had just come from and they went and talked to some, you know, some of the administration that was still there that they had just left this meeting from and told them. And somebody went down with them and I can't remember whether it was like a manager of the building or their boss or, you know, whatever. But I think somebody went down with them and it was gone. Now, Attention all Ground Zero radio fans. GroundZeroMerch.com is your one-stop shop for all things Ground Zero. Oh, wow. Show off your style with our exclusive collection of T-shirts and hoodies. They're not just comfortable, they're conversation starters. Need to keep hydrated during those long listen sessions. Get your hands on our durable water bottles. And now introducing our latest additions, a hand-picked selection of intriguing books that will keep your mind buzzing. GroundZeroMerch.com. Support Ground Zero and everything we do. So it definitely wasn't uh, the best reenactment ever. It was a, a glimpse literally into the past. Yeah, or slipping time or whatever. And the thing was, is uh, Mark and I talked about this many times over the years. And I've gotten to talk to his wonderful wife, Carol, and get her perspective because she actually went to Gettysburg College and still is involved in, the, you know, strongly in the alumni and everything else over there. I mean, that's just the way Gettysburg is. It's just a big little town, you know. <clears throat> high, runs high on history trust me so um and they both are of the you know get their vantage point on it we were talking and we brought this up about okay is it the one guy that made that connection that intelligent connection so now we know it's not a loop and it's not a loop replaying they it made intelligent contact you know it looked right at them and it's tried to speak to them and at least and possibly possibly send him a telepathic message of help me because they all heard it. You know, they didn't in their head, I guess. I don't know. You'd have to ask them. By the time they went up and came back down, it was gone. So we were asked, we were trying to figure out, is it the one guy trying using an amazing amount of energy to manifest a scene of one of his most horrible days of his life? Uh, in complete agony and angst and just, you know, reaching out for help. Um, And he's the ghost and he's manifesting that and the others are not ghosts. Or is it a group effort? You see what I'm saying? (laughs) That's a great question to to try to figure out how is this manifesting? And if it is him, if it is one, one very powerful ghost that over time, builds up this energy to be able to everyone once in a while do this because it's happened more than once over the, over the years to different people. So is it taking him so much time to gather so much energy to be able to project this for a moment to try to get help? And I asked, <laughs> I asked uh, Mark, what do you think about that? And he looked at Carol, and Carol looked at him, and she says, well, it is the electrical room for the entire college now. It's the electrical supply storage unit for the entire college on that side, on that wing. And um, I'm like, well, there you go. So that that electricity, they were using that to manifest, or that allowed for that rift in in time or whatever. Wow. uh, Electricity. And and geomagnetic things, you hear a lot of cases where that plays a part in it, or seems to. Yeah. I mean, just think about it, see? And it's so interesting to think about what is the guy seeing, like you said. 
Does he see angels? Is he is he talking to somebody? This is just a moment in time where there's three other people or one other person or two other people that are actually had come walked in at that time and he's talking to them and it was just great timing or does he actually see them and how does he see them does he see them as they're dressed now you know are it you know mind blown there thinking about that or does he see them like you said like angels or somebody that's just showed up you know that looks like anybody else around him but you know, with the fact that crazy. he locked eyes with so him deep. and acknowledged him, that, yeah, that's, so the, that's the mind-blowing part to me. Yep, yep, absolutely. And that shows you right there. It's not It's not a loop. It's not residual. Yeah, it's not you know, residual. Perhaps, that's, that's a very active haunting or, or something. What if? Yeah. Here's another angle. What if? Okay, wrap, wrap your bean around this one. What if everybody else in the room the orderlies, the, the the wounded, the the nurses, whatever is is there in this scene. What if they're residual, and he's just a ghost kind of riding in like a surfer on a wave, and he's intelligent, and he just fit in there because he was part of that. Now I don't know if that's possible. So basically, a ghost taking advantage of the scenery and just kind of riding in on the loop. You know, and kind of adding to it. I can get that. I never would have thought about that, but But I would say that's a possibility. Yeah, but he's the yeah, and he's the but he's the only one. Everybody else is just they're not really there. You know what I mean? But he is. That's crazy. See, you know, again, more questions. Paranormal onion, Steve. Yeah, you peel that layer off. There's there's more onion underneath. (laughs) More underneath. Or uh, like Soraya. His analogy was it's like a, you're trying to do a big jigsaw puzzle, but you don't have the top of the box to see what the picture is supposed to look like. And yeah. once you get in there and start picking these pieces out, you figure out that some joker has mixed in seven or eight puzzles and some of the pieces don't fit anywhere. <laughs> and you don't even know what you got anywhere. You know, you think you got a piece and you think you know where it goes. You know what I mean? Yeah, then it turns out that that's not it at all. But uh, getting back to the book, that was, was such an enjoyable thing to do to be able to read your stories and then do, I called it a color commentary. I was just, uh, you know, I wanted it to be more than, yeah, what she said. And then I would tell a story or an anecdote or whatever, but it, it all just fits seamlessly. And uh, there were stories in there that, that I'd had similar experiences to. Like the uh, the Christmas feather, and um, some of those, and then you've got some just terrifying uh, stories in there, especially uh, the the opener, the the one about the the screaming head and the red ribbon in the old farmhouse that that you lived in there that dated back to uh, Revolutionary War times. Now that was, I believe, that was in New Jersey, if uh, memory serves me correctly. So uh, I'd like to, like to just, uh, you don't have to give the whole thing because they'll, they'll definitely want to read the book, but give us a teaser on that one. Can you recount that story about the, the screaming head and the, the red ribbon? If I'm reading it right now and I'm tracking you, I think you're just asking me to tell a ghost story. Now, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> you ask me uh, to tell me a ghost I, story. I have faith in you. <laughs> yeah, but you have to pull, you have to pull my, my arm, right? 
Okay. Let's see if we can do it. Let's see how we do. All right. I am about, I'm a toddler. And I know it sounds strange that somebody could remember a flash. I mean, a little more than a toddler. I was probably, I don't know, four. Anyhow, I'm asleep on my mom's bed. Now, this is a big old king-size bed in a little old farmhouse that's about 200 years old, close to it, in Jackson, New Jersey. And it was a great farmhouse. It had cornfields in the back, as far as the eye could see. Had a big old red barn that I refused to go into unless I absolutely had to. And I did it quick because there was something really bad in that barn. But that's not the story tonight. And it was big with a grand staircase. And it was filled with my brothers and sisters and my mom and my dad. And um, there was always something going on in that house. But this memory, I'm sleeping on the bed taking a nap in my mom and dad's room and it was very colonial revolutionary war style most places were back then in this area and it had big shutter the whole wall it seemed was shutter doors for a closet big walk-in closet my mom's and my dad's suits and my mom's dresses and that kind of thing and they're real tall and skinny and when you grab the knob and you fold them up it's like an accordion on both sides old colonial shutters and they have slats with space in between them and all of a sudden I start hearing a crackling and the closest thing I could come to now it's close it's just a little off but if you grabbed a water bottle and you just squeezed it and you made that crackling sound it's a little half empty water bottle it was kind of like that, but very loud. It got louder. And it made me sit up and look at the sound because I thought my sisters were in the closet or the doors opened or something. I was expecting to see them. But what I saw was this light that had started almost at the bottom of the closet. And it was kind of pushing out through the bottom of the space in the closet, the shutter doors, the floor. And I could look right down off the edge of the bed and see it. And as I'm looking at it and hear it, listening to this crackling noise, I'm trying to figure out what I'm seeing, it's growing and it's going up inside of the closet and the light's pushing through the slats of these shutter doors. And the noise is kind of changing, but I don't know if it was because there's buzzing in my, <laughs> I can remember this like buzzing or this like, kind of not really buzzing but more like a woo 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 sound you know almost like the slow helicopter blades sound would be or a big fan and the light's getting bigger and it's more and more of this light is pushing out through these slats and it seemed like the light kind of came together and it began in the center to sparkle a little bit and seemed to like almost come together and start to form a shape and this shape was now outside of the closet completely and hovering in this light. And it was coming towards me. And the closer it got, the clearer it got. And it was a head that stopped at the neck. And it was, from what I could understand, a man 
a young man, you know, and I, I remember, I honestly remember telling this when I was little and saying younger than my dad, you know, like a kid would guess an age, you know? So let's go with that. He had dark brown hair and it was long and, and really wavy. And he, it was held back in a ponytail and I couldn't see it when it was coming at me, but you could see something fluttering around behind him that was brown. And as he's shooting, this thing is shooting at me, it's looking at me. And it's when it opened its eyes, because its eyes seemed to be closed when he first came in and the light started to like come all around him. When his eyes opened, this red light was coming out of him. And when he got right in front of me, his jaw kind of dropped open like he was going to scream, but nothing came out. And at that point in time, it was so close to me, I couldn't think of anything to do but just to lay flat. So I dropped back, laid flat on my back, back on the bed, and I watched it shoot over me and into the wall behind my mother's headboard <laughs> and disappear into the wallpaper and gone. And the sound and all the light went with it and just gone. And you're just laying there. And that's when I started to scream. And that's when a couple of sisters and my mom ran in, all bustling in through the door. What, 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 get her seven and nine or whatever. I'm hearing all these different voices at the same time. And I'm screaming all on top of it. Somebody picked me up is bouncing me around and they're talking to each other. We wind up going into the living room and I hear my mom say, go get her, you know, she's had a nightmare, just go get her something. And I was off to get something. I can't remember whether it was a cookie or, a, you know, glass of water. I don't even know what it was. As I'm being carried away from my mom and my other sister, my sister said to my mom, she's, I, she's describing it just like me, mom, red eyes, red ribbon. Because when this thing flew over me, I told you the ponytail was like floating behind him, but it was held together with this long red ribbon tied in a bow, the back of his head. And I saw that was the last thing I saw flutter out through the wallpaper was that ponytail and that red ribbon. And I remember as a little kid thinking that ribbon matched his eyes. And as I was crying, I was telling my mother. Red eyes, red ribbon, red eyes, red ribbon, red eyes, red ribbon. And I was I'm being carried out. I hear my sister validate. And that was really important because as I grew up around them, we couldn't talk about this. So you didn't get to sit at the table and discuss, you know, what the ghost did today or what you saw in the barn. So getting those little snippets of validation, I held on to that, well, you know, almost 60 years now. So that's the the flying head. And then there was a little more to that. In that same house, your dad was uh, doing something and, and found some stuff hidden in the wall. Now, and I don't remember the details of it, but I wonder if it wasn't related to the, the specter that, that you and your sister observed. I think, you know, I'm telling you, it, it, this Looking back, you know, it, it is, it's such a wild journey because in my case, 
And I wonder how many people this kind of happens to. You hear other stories where it takes them years to kind of sort what happened. You know, again, like life, to get the big picture, you know, it takes a while to sort it out, right, Steve? So, and, you know, why should ghosts be any different? So the thing was, is during this time, like I said, we didn't talk about it. So pieced together about 20, 25 years after the fact, it starts coming together. and. I remember from my vantage point at what I remember from what I saw was my sister screaming, people trying to get in the door, doors locked. She's screaming, there's a man in my room and I'm on somebody's hip and, you know, somebody's got a slipper. Somebody's got a golf club. My sister golfed, you know, brother played baseball. He had a bat. You know, it's like I think the other one had a hairbrush. I don't know. I'm remember I'm seeing it from here. Arm to the teeth. Yeah. And my dad and my brother are trying to get in the door. You know, they're banging on it and there's lots of screaming and yelling. So anyway, I remember when the door hit, the door finally the door opened. You got it, I got a glimpse, you know, of my sister like up on the bed and like kind of back and pointing. And when my family went in. I didn't get to go. I went in the other direction. Somebody said, put her back to bed, whatever. I was gone. I had no control back then. I was on a, I was on a sister's hip. I was, I didn't have any say in the matter. So I find out later that when they went in, there was Noxema all over the mirror. Now Noxema is a cream that came in a little blue container with a little white lid. And it was a big deal. A lot of the teenage girls used it back then. This is, 68 maybe 69 maybe 67 yeah i remember those ads so, are supposed to give you clear skin and uh any teenage girl that they used wanted it. clear skin get rid of acne or whatever noxema was noxema. the order the it was day. really it was a cold cream and it had a little mint to it or a little something i had a little tingle going on i remember that anyway i had many sisters in the house and it, it was definitely used by several so my sister had typed out this report. Now it was a big deal if you have one typewriter and like six teenagers and everybody's got a report due, you know? So it was a big deal. It was one of those weeks. So my sister had finally typed out this report and she had put it on top of her dresser. And this is one of those high, I guess they call it shift robe or something. It was a high stack of, uh, of drawers with a mirror above it, but it was taller than it was taller than it was fat. Does that make sense? So it was kind of high up. And she's in the mirror putting Noxema on and I was bugging her and she put some on my nose and then we, she laughed and she picked me up. We went and all washed it, washed it off. And I last, I saw that jar, she had put the lid on it tight and stuck it up high up and pushed it up against the wall under that mirror. She didn't want me to reach it. Right. Cause I was bugging her. I want to use it. I want to use it. And of course you want to get it out of the little, you know, buggers reach. Right. And it makes total sense. She carries me out. We wash it off. We go and say goodnight to sisters and all that stuff. And that's the last I knew till, you know, everybody's got a golf club and screaming in the hallway. So later we pieced it together and I start hearing little bits here, little bits there from everybody. What had happened was they go in. Now this report is all tore up all over the place. Noxema all over the mirror. There's a man in my room, man in my room. She had seen this Revolutionary War soldier ghost standing outside of her closet, which was kind of out of sight of the door, 
I only saw her in the bed. Well, she's pointing. I couldn't see. But that's where the closet was. Right. And there was a whole bunch more. You can read read it in the book if you if you want to. But there was a little bit more about when what they found when they went in the room and there was a handprint on the mirror and it was, you know, too big to be hers. And the door was locked and it snowed outside. and There was no footprints. You know, it's just like, you know, what are you going to do? But we, again, we didn't talk about, it. I had no idea. Like as a kid, I couldn't say to her, Hey, that's what I saw because we didn't talk about it. So it's, it's weird to think it took that long, but it did. So then you look back at what you mentioned, Steve. I also find out that my dad, I guess my mom finally bugged my dad enough to finally start that pantry she needed in the kitchen. And he got mad one day and probably had a few too many beers or whatever. And coerced my brother in helping him with a sledgehammer to knock the wall out. And when they knocked it out, they found some stairs and they found a little room with the servant stairway that went up to the back of the master bedroom, which was that bedroom. And if you followed the stairs up, it would be the back door to her closet. And if you went through the closet, you'd enter her bedroom. And in that room, I've heard tell they found some things. I never got to see them because they threw them on the scrap pile. Like I said, my dad was drunk. He didn't want anything to do with history. He didn't want that nonsense. But uh, I heard there might have been some letters in there. But a couple of people told me they saw whatever it was was bound with a red ribbon, a red ribbon. Wow! There you now go. that was commonly used back then, but you 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 be the judge. <laughs> yeah, and and whatever it was, it sounds like it disturbed him to the point that he wanted to destroy it and uh, get get rid of it. So uh, who's to say? But it all ties together that uh, you got yeah. the validation because you'd seen the same thing that your sister had seen. And then when right. they knocked that wall out, found the secret stairs with the, the hidden ephemera artifacts or whatever all they found up there. And, I think uh, it was letters or something along those lines, papers, you know, that kind of thing. Fascinating. And that's that's just the first But chapter. like I said, I never got to see it. But I never got to. So I can't say I, this is something, I you know, that I saw that, you know, I was there and I saw it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and, and that's I can just the first one. chapter of the book. I mean, it, it starts out, it's a wild ride. It is, as the subtitle, uh, a guided tour through a haunted life. And there, there's everything in there. I mean, uh, we don't have time to get into it here, but uh, the possum and the snot hag, uh, jumpers and grinners, which you talk about different kinds of uh, entities, if you will, that, that uh, you actually observed people uh, for lack of a better word, possessed by when you, when you worked as a bartender where people like mm -hmm. something else would just suddenly take over and they would act, act out of character and ask for something that they didn't normally drink or uh, yeah. one guy it's danced like around with the pool cue and stuff, yeah. stuff uh, so out of character for him. And uh, the, the story of the, the biker, it's just, it, it's a fantastic book and just... I, I recommend it to everybody, uh, even if I did have something to do with it. Again, <laughs> I, just, I came along with the so story fun. about the Christmas feather that paralleled uh, one of my own experiences. You know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. 
it's true. And I think a lot of these things parallel. And that's, I think that's what we're seeking um, in this whole thing, that paranormal parallel, you know, that, that validation, that that happened to me, or that's what I saw. That's what it was like when I saw that. You know, that's what they, you know, I heard somebody else came through and said something like that, that, that matches up and we don't do that enough. It's like, um, a lot of really good mediums, they'll have a, a show or like whatever you want to say, get together. I hate to call it a show because that kind of infers that they're putting on, you know, like a magician thing. I mean, mediums yeah. Just, yeah. I, you know, I mean, the ones that sit down and can sit and do a group, which is great because um, a lot of good ones really can do that and they can sort out all the energies and, and they it energizes everything to have more than one, you know, but you have some really good one on ones, too. But that's it. The paranormal parallel. So if you've got a lot of mediums that are coming through and uh, I mean, contacting the, the people that are coming through from the other side. You've got the this, why is it so broke up? Why won't they just spit it all out? Well, it's like this, it's like this, it's like this. But you do have that story. You have that story because it's pieced together by multiple people having experiences or having abilities that have come through with information, you know, and it validated time and time and time again. It's like being in a room and hearing somebody get this wonderful message from the other side detailed filled fact filled there's no doubt this is their loved one they're telling the story they're healing the wounds it's wonderful and the message is love never dies love is eternal of course i'm here of course i love you of course you know forgiveness is key let's forgive each other if we've done something to hurt each other's feelings i love you that doesn't matter anymore that kind of thing Yet everybody who didn't get a direct message in that group and, well, and goes home feels bad they didn't get a message instead of saying everybody here got a message. And the, the common core was love, love never dies. I forgive you. I love you. Most important thing is, you know, go on with your life. I'm fine. I'm doing all right. I see you. All of these things instead of going, man, that was fantastic. I feel so good. Much better. You know, even though I didn't hear from Aunt Mary or I didn't hear from dad or hear from my dog or whatever, I feel a little bit more, I've got a little bit more bounce in my faith in that he's okay and he's doing fine. But so many of us talk ourselves out of that joy and that hope. And before long, we're right back into that same old grind again and that, oh, you know, those lower vibrational feelings about that. And I try to tell my listeners and, you know, when chances come up, I try to give the advice and I give this to anybody listening tonight, that if you have someone who has passed, I urge you to give it a try. And again, I am not saying do not grieve. I am saying that is personal and nobody can tell you when to start it or stop it or how to do it. I can tell you how to help get through it. And I can tell you in a way that helps both you and the loved one you're grieving that go ahead and have your memory. If the song that you hear reminds you of them and it makes you cry, go ahead and do it. All I ask is before you finish all of that and the thought and go on about your day, think of something happy about that person. 
and let them know you're thinking it. Say, hey, remember that time this song came on and you broke the heel on your shoe and you got it caught in the boardwalk? Or, hey, remember when we were working on that car, dad, and this song came on and you couldn't get that bolt loose? It wasn't that was funny. That was a great day, dad. And said, I, I love you. Happy thoughts and energy to you. By the time you get done with that thought, you're going to feel better. You've had your memory and you smiled at the end. That is going to give them more energy. And it's also going to create a beginning of an easy path, like making a pathway through the woods, through the wilderness, so they can get to you easier. And when you start recognizing that and you start giving them that love energy, you're going to feel better and they're going to feel better. You know, instead of being worried, you can't buy them flowers to take to the grave, buy the flowers, arrange them and talk about a happy memory you had with them and enjoy them for both of you. Because I promise you, if you do it that way, they are enjoying them with you. They are there for that moment. Just like John Wilkes Booth showed up (laughs) in the gift shop at Ford's Theater or that Rougarou or that Bigfoot or that creature in the woods might show up. If you talk about them and you connect into their energy. Well said. uh, It is. Everything is connected. That's very poignant. And um, unfortunately, we've run out of time for this episode. But uh, I want to thank you for joining me tonight on everything out there. And um, again, the book, you can find it on Amazon. We are all children in the wilderness of the afterlife, a guided tour through a haunted life. Um, And uh, the the YouTube channel. Journey Through the Gate, Paranormal Portal Podcast. I'm over there live on Monday nights. Uh, we invite Come you to join us, take, take part, be a part of the community, or just lurk and listen. I guarantee you, you'll think about things differently. You might even learn something. Cisco, yep, I'm, again, I'm thank you for joining me uh, for this episode. You, we'll have to have you back on to talk some more stories out of the book. I'm, I'll be here. I got, I got a few more. I bet you I can crack open a book and pull up a couple stories. Good deal. Thanks again. Good night, my friend. Good night. Attention all Ground Zero radio fans. GroundZeroMerch.com is your one-stop shop for all things Ground Zero. Oh, wow. Show off your style with our exclusive collection of T-shirts and hoodies. They're not just comfortable, they're conversation starters. Need to keep hydrated during those long listen sessions. Get your hands on our durable water bottles. And now introducing our latest additions, a hand-picked selection of intriguing books that will keep your mind buzzing. GroundZeroMerch.com. Support Ground Zero and everything we do.